ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. For most of the Ukraine war, the United Nations has been powerless. The General Assembly condemned Russia's invasion, but Russia's a permanent member of the Security Council. It can veto any action. But what if the UN had its own permanent peacekeeping army? Dr Eyal Mayruz of Sydney University has been working with Canadian scholar Peter Langeel on a plan for a UNEPS, a United Nations Emergency Peace Service. First, we're seeing a continued shift in a multipolar UN Security Council, which is the most powerful body of the UN. And this trend has and continues to decrease cooperation between these five veto-carrying major power. We've seen this most visibly, obviously, during the Syrian civil war and then in Ukraine, but there are other situations as well. And then we have the US being at loggerheads with Russia, mainly over Ukraine, with China over many, many issues, Taiwan, the South China Sea, the genocide of the Uyghurs, the coup in Myanmar, tech theft, you name it, the pandemic, the list goes on. Current challenges in the aftermath of the pandemic, the climate change, we have 90 million displaced people in the world, which will see in the longer term tens or hundreds of millions of climate refugees being added to them. Last year, 2022, was already saw an increase in the number and scope of armed conflict, first time in years of positive decreases. And then to focus on peacekeeping, not a single large-sized peace mission was created in over a decade. That's amazing, despite the clear need in more than one conflict. Yeah. And uh, the missions established during this time were mainly political. The four largest multidimensional peace operations today in the DRC, Mali, South Sudan, and Central African Republic are all older than 10 years old and are not doing very well. In fact, the mission in Mali is now folding by the UN because of refusal of the Mali government to extend its mandate. So in the face of all these challenges, the UN and UN peacekeeping have been facing increased crisis of legitimacy, of credibility, of effectiveness. And what the UN needs is a set of stronger reforms. So what would a United Nations emergency peace service look like in a very brief description? It'll be a force of uh, volunteers that will be under both command and control of the UN. It will be made up of around 13,000 troops, uh, civilians and police that will be able to deploy within 72 hours of a council or UN Security Council resolution. Unlike the months or up to a year it takes nowadays for a regular peacekeeping mission to be deployed. So would it effectively be a UN standing army with a mandate for peace? In some ways, yes. This idea of a standing army is almost as old as the UN itself. But this will be uh, a bit different because, first of all, it will not be an army. Second of all, it will be made up of volunteers, so it will not be under the command of the states who send those troops, which were other ideas in the past. And therefore, the UN will have stronger control over deployment and over decisions. And uh, this will make a a huge difference to the uh, ability to work not only in peacekeeping, but also in peace building in various areas of prevention rather than only response. But it would have to be an armed force, though, wouldn't it, Ial? I mean, it would have to have lethal powers in certain circumstances, wouldn't it? 
Yes, it will have an armed uh, component for sure, similar to what uh, peacekeepers today have. It will be deployed under the Security Council, and therefore the Security Council is the only body authorized to uh, send troops for uh, missions that involve the use of uh, armed uh, force. Don't we already have, I think you've referred to, a plethora of United Nations peacekeeping forces, the Blue Helmets, they've been deployed in various hotspots around the world. Why aren't they working? The main two reasons are I've kind of alluded to. One is the problem of control. If states have control or command over the uh, Blue Helmets, then they can say, no, we're not willing to do that or this. And the UN sometimes gets stuck. That was obvious in, for example, in Bosnia. But the main problem has to do with the rapid deployment, because if we go back to Rwanda 1994 genocide, it took three months for 600,000 innocent civilians to be slaughtered while the UN was kind of struggling to put together a peacekeeping force. But this new idea, or not new, but this idea of UNEPS will be able to deploy within 72 hours, not three months or a year. So a lot of the issues that have to do with prevention, with coming in at the right time to uh, prevent either escalation or mass violence, could be solved by this new uh, idea for You do mention two tragedies that I think still sit at the forefronts of people's minds, and they are Bosnia-Herzegovina, especially 1995 with the Srebrenica massacre, and then the Rwandan genocide. Didn't both of these tragedies occur while UN peacekeepers stood by, if not um, helpless, then certainly constrained in some ways? I mean, there were questions as to why the United Nations peacekeepers did not intervene with lethal force. Yes, in the case of Bosnia, some of the measures that the UN put in place required command and control of both the UN and the countries that uh, send the peacekeepers, and that didn't work well. Another was insufficient number of uh, peacekeepers on the ground. The Dutch battalion didn't have the numbers to address the violence in Srebrenica. And in the case of Rwanda, what happened was that the major powers at the UN took out the 3,000 or so peacekeepers that were already on the ground, our fear that something will happen to them, And only about 250 volunteers stayed behind, which was not enough to stop the genocide. If such a force that you're proposing would not be run by commanders from various member states, who would run it? Well, the UN will be in charge. The Security Council will be authorised to deploy. But once it's on the ground, then the UN will have its own command structure that will be answerable to the Security Council, but depending on the situation, one of the advantages of such a force is that it will be able to be sent to existing peacekeeping missions that suddenly see a spike in the level of violence and support their work. So in such cases, it will likely be under the command of the existing peacekeeping mission commander. You've clearly put a lot of thought into how this would work. I can, however, see the doubters raising one point, and you keep mentioning it, the United Nations Security Council. We already have a situation where one member of the United Nations Security Council, Russia, has gone to war against a member state of the UN. 
conceivably, wouldn't Security Council members simply veto the intervention of such a force when they don't like it, when it's not in their interests? Well, that's a very good point. Unfortunately, that's the reality of the UN, that uh, five permanent members of the Security Council can veto resolutions. But unfortunately, the UN Charter does not allow for a change unless all five agree, which will not happen. And so this is the reality we have to live with. There is a kind of a, you could say, checks and balances on misuse of such a UNEPS because all five permanent members do need to support it. However, in such cases, as you allude to, which permanent member one or more will have uh, ulterior motives to stop the deployment of UNEPS, then we're kind of stuck. There's effort at the moment by the General Assembly to build ways around the Security Council through the Uniting for Peace resolution that was used in the case of Ukraine, but as you say, insufficiently. So uh, it will not solve all the problems, but hopefully it will allow the UN in situations where the P5 do agree that a rapid prevention is needed to deploy such a force very quickly. Just over the last, say, 20 to 30 years, think of some conflicts. Armenia and Azerbaijan, it just keeps going on. Israel and Lebanon, Iran and Iraq. Could such a peacekeeping force have prevented those conflicts? I think you're exactly on the money because so many conflicts just erupt and the UN is kind of hopeless or doesn't know what to do until sometimes it takes months to build a force to deploy on the ground. So exactly, we've seen recently in Sudan, a sudden civil war breaking out that maybe a UNEPS could have helped prevent. So many, many situations could be addressed by this rapid deployment uh, capability for the UN. I noticed that in many of the discussions that you've been having about the establishment of an emergency peacekeeping force, this one question has come up repeatedly, and that is, how do you monitor the behaviour of these troops? Because there are some very well-publicised incidents of blue helmets being involved in human rights abuses themselves, especially sexual exploitation. I mean, what safeguards are going to be there? This is a very important point and another advantage of such a UNIPS, because unlike the ordinary peacekeepers that come from many countries and are often unprepared, the volunteers for UNIPS will be very well trained, including on issues of cultural sensitivity and gender issues, such as you know avoiding sexual abuse. The idea behind the UNIPS is first in, first out. So the maximum deployment time will be only six months, whereas peacekeepers can stay for years away from their families, away from their spouses, and that leads to problems. So a lot of the functionality of UNIPS will cater to avoiding these challenges. We would have to be somewhat discriminating, though, about where we drew the troops and certainly the commanders from, because, frankly, there are armies around the world, including armies of UN member states, that uh, notorious for their behavior. Certainly the criteria for a recruitment should be quite strict, but the very idea that this is a force of volunteers that are keen to make a difference in the world, which can be organized in terms of the uh, recruitment process, will hopefully put important restrictions on recruiting personnel that is unfit. But I wouldn't say that this has to be restricted to certain countries because they are good and conscientious people all over the world. 
And part of the idea behind the UNEPS is that it will be legitimate. And in order to create legitimacy, you need the makeup of people from all over the world, especially from the global south, where a lot of the work of the UNEPS is likely to take place. You, as I say, have been researching this for quite a while. I suspect you're not the first person, though, to think of a UN standing peace army. What's the history of this? It's a decade-long idea, first originated by Sir Brian Urquhart, the so-called father of peacekeeping, and it's been kept alive in different ways over the decades. Since the 1990s, my colleague, Dr. Peter Langil from Canada, has been working tirelessly to try and make it happen out of his basement in uh, Ottawa in the last few years, putting a lot of effort into creating groups of like-minded NGOs, of groups of friends, of states that would support the idea. Certainly a lot of effort recently with the revival of interest, both at the level of global civil society and academia. Eyal Mayruz of Sydney University. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.